0: What's going on guys? Welcome to the first episode of Made in Mercers. So I guess the first thing I should explain is why I called my podcast Made in Mercers. Unfortunately it's really not that deep. The first part is really that I've always wanted to have my own podcast about culture and religion and hear other people's perspectives on it too. But I couldn't quite get a name that captured all that and still made it personal to me. So I'm not an expert in any of these topics, I'm just someone who likes to talk to people about it. That's where the name comes in. Where I grew up, There was a street that my friends and I all hung around on. That street was called Mercers. You can Google it if you're a creep. That's up to you. But yeah, we had all of life's most important conversations there. School, college, work, family, home life, relationships, marriage, all that stuff. It's where it all began. So, how could I ever have a podcast without giving credit to where it all started? Made in Mercers. Let's do this. I just want to say... If you're listening thank you very much your support means the world to me and please continue to follow continue to like um, all my socials are on my bio insta twitter please follow that up and spread the word so without further ado i'd like to introduce my first guest to the show um, i'm very honored to be with him and record with him today and by way of introduction he is a very successful it software solutions manager he is the father of two twin girls and his claim to fame is that he was the Arsenal flag waver at the Emirates. Without any further introduction, welcome to the podcast, David Grant.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Saj. I'm honoured to be your, your first guest on this, um, on this series, and I'm sure it's going to be very successful.
0: Oh man, I hope so. I hope so. Now, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it, taking your time out of the day.
1: No problem at all. No problem at all. I'm not too sure whether my claim to fame is um, is, is uh, really up to standards. I think I need to get myself. This might be it. This might be my next <laughs> claim to fame on my next interview, Saj. I did the first ever podcast on Made immersers. That could be it.
0: There you go. There you go. All right. So I'm going to get cracking straight away. And I want cool. you to tell me, let's talk about your background.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's um, an, an area of interest. I think culture is always something I've I've personally had an interest in, and I think it's maybe because of my, my um, ethnicity and my background, I'm mixed-raced. Um, so born in London, my dad is white British. I always say right. British because his, his grandparents were English, Irish, and Scottish, and Welsh, so proper, oh, wow, proper okay. waving the British flag. Um, <laughs> and my mum's from, um, I used to always just say East Africa because lots of people have never heard of it, but it's a country called Eritrea, um, borders Ethiopia, Sudan, um, and on the east coast of Africa. Um, it, so that's my that's my background um that's my parents are are still together which i always feel to say which is really bad i think but i think a lot of mixed-race families particularly when it's it's one black parent, and one white parent, unfortunately don't um maybe even get married but they don't yeah, tend yeah, to yeah. last as long so i think it's something that i'm i'm proud of um and i've got one sister as well an older sister that i think the the three of them have been the the three biggest um influences in my life so that that's my my genetic makeup um i suppose um i think culturally there's probably a lot more to that as as their influences have, have uh, impacted me and you know it's like just growing up around different people and different societies and culture as well i think has a real um a real impact for them. but my when i think about my parents really they're the ones that you know my dad in particular i think was like a real big role model for me growing up yeah, um, yeah in you know, I think that's quite normal for for a lot of men. You you look to your dad, he's the guy, he's the he was the moneymaker as well. So you, you look to that. He was the one that gave a lot to me and my sister. Um and my mum was was you know the one that was grinding, the one that would get keep you on your toes. She was militant you <laughs> know, when I think back, but you know, with with all the best intentions and I think, you know, she still apologizes to me today for um for, for sometimes maybe being a bit mean and she thought she should have been. But um yeah, I only appreciate that.
0: Now that's quality. Do you think that's, um, a cultural thing that she's more of the militant one?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's mom's background. My mum's yeah, not yeah. had an easy life. She was born in, in, you know, Eritrea a very poor country and she was born during, um, when, well, the civil war was, was kicking off. So my mum came here in her early twenties. Oh, she wow. was the eldest, um, as well, eldest of 11 kids. Um, so, you know, wow. You, the culture there's so different where, you know, you, you have to look after your neighbours like they are your family, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. Share and it's it's a very different way of life. And um I think for her she's always had it quite hard. So my mum always said, you know, appreciate what you have, understand how, how much easier life can, is, is for you. Um, and I think because of that, she wanted to make sure me and my sister maximised it. So, um, yeah, it had a huge, huge impact and definitely her, her culture. I think, yeah, um, what looked like brought out her worst side was all for the best, you know.
0: <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I think um, it's interesting because obviously you're being mixed background. You're going to have completely different sides to that. And I think um, it's probably, it's like a really unique position. I think I've never heard. So personally, if I say it, you're the only Eritrean person I know. And um, that makes it really interesting to me anyway, just to talk about Eritrea, because I've never met an Eritrean person before. And I think it's sick.
1: I've got to represent a whole nation. 100%, all the Eritreans (laughs) are listening to Maiden Mercers right now, (laughs) thinking
0: about what you have to say. So.
1: yeah Yeah, no and you're right i think um it it is an interesting place i think being mixed race i think there's two sides of the coin i think sometimes it's a bit of best of both worlds yeah um you know i always always laugh but i can i can probably get away with being racist to most people and it doesn't come across (laughs) offensive so it's cool (laughs)
0: um
1: but at the same time i think it is you know it can be you know and there's a deeper side we'll probably touch on in a bit where i think you know you, you can potentially feel isolated in terms of, you know, do, where where do you fit? where When society has, you know, stereotypes and, and pressure that, that can maybe sort of push you towards one way or the other. But in terms of my Eritrean side, um, mm. it's, you know, I think the Eritrean culture is kind of probably quite typical of, of a lot of African cultures, Asian cultures, um, yeah, yeah. even sort of Mediterranean cultures. It's very family orientated. You're like... Whenever I meet in Eritrea, I always joke and I say you're probably my cousin. Um, <laughs> everyone I've met is either a cousin or an aunt, and and there's normally some link, you know. So they might be fifth time removed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's that really nice strong bond there, and I think you know when I look at you know, a significant difference probably between my mum's side of the family and my dad's side. Yeah, yeah, That that family orientation is huge. You know, there's like probably and it's and, and there's, there's they're probably both extreme examples as well. I do find it surreal when I look at my parents sometimes and I go, I don't really get it because you're so different but they get on <laughs> so well at the same time, you know. Um so yeah that that Eritrean side, that that part of the of the culture I think, um is really interesting. You get that, you know, you feel welcomed by everyone but at the same time, you know my aunt, my uncle, if you're messing around, they'll tell you off as if they are your parent, you know? And, yeah, and that's yeah, just yeah. how it is there, where I think, you know, again, on, on my English side or British side of the family, you, you wouldn't get that. you probably get away with a little bit more and, and, and things like that. But um, but again, you're naive to it. The, the, I think the joke with the whole thing for me is, like, growing up, You, I can remember, I can pinpoint, I'll remember to the, my dying day, the moment I even realised I was mixed race, that it was even something um a bit different and no I no way i swear down i was Go i on. can't think what year i was in but i can i know exactly where i was standing at my primary school and i think that's where year one was so oh uh, my um, yeah i know so this is six yeah seven. i think you're yeah you know you're, you're six i should definitely know that because my kids are, are in year one so yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, six, you're six years old you might even be five um, right, right, and I was standing right. outside school waiting for my mum to come get me, um, and bless her, my mum was, was was late, probably uh, more regularly than most, um, and that's a bit of a stereotype <laughs> probably, but I should, should caveat, she was, she was working nights as well, so my mum would be waking up to try nah, and... you've got to give me. her that one then, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. my mum is standardly late as well, sadly. So yeah, let's, not, let's <laughs> not give her too much luck to here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the joke was actually we were talking about stereotypes. This other girl, Chelsea, her mum was often late as well, and, and, and she was black. So make of that what you wish to oh, tell, how yeah. stereotypes sometimes do come around. Man. But, um, and I remember standing outside school and she was probably a year or two older than me. And she right. said to me, um, she was like, David, are you half cast? And i didn't even know what half cast was and and half cast back then you know when i was six That's see we're talking 30 years ago you know it was it yeah, was an yeah. acceptable term um and i was like no i don't know what it meant you <laughs> just deny anything you know if you get called something you don't know as a six year old you just deny it yeah um and she said to me be your mum's black and i said yeah and She should be your dad and your dad's white i was like yeah she goes so you're half cast i was like oh okay and I think I can actually I thought about it you know and I think that's why yeah, I still yeah. remember that till today and, and and it wasn't like anything was different after that But I think you know I just became a little bit more conscious of it but um do you remember how you felt not really I don't think I had like an emotional reaction I think I was just like I think it was like more of a an acknowledgement in my brain you know just went oh yeah yeah, now you say it. Most of my <laughs> friends' parents do look the same as each other, you know, in terms of skin tone. And I think maybe the penny just kind of dropped. But, um, but again, I'm from um, Edmonton, and it's like a really diverse cultural pot, you know, you get it. And, and more so now than even then. But I think, yeah, yeah. you know, when you grow up in them environments, it's not like my mum was the only black person in town sort of thing, you know, so you, you, you didn't really think about it too much, you know. So it was, um, yeah. yeah, it was a, was a, was a weird one.
0: It's funny you say that because I've got a funny story. My youngest brother, so he's now six years old and um, I want to say he's six. Is he six? He might be seven now. But um, anyway, he, so obviously my wife, my (laughs) wife's Irish, so she's obviously white. And um, when she, when we got married, obviously she moved in um, into my family home and um, he just never noticed that there was a difference between us and her. At all, no. like he just got on with it, and then one day, he just came in the room and he was like, "Why is your skin brown?" and and he called her Bubby, which means that like sister-in-law, but in like a polite way. Okay. And he was like, "Why is your skin brown?" and Bubby's skin white. And I think honestly, that was like the first time he ever realised that we weren't the same. And yeah, like, so from then on, right. it was honestly <laughs> like, yeah, it was mad. And then from then on, I was like, flipping hell, this is like that's a proper thing to him. He's never actually noticed that we were different. And then I thought, you know what, that's amazing. And like, how mad the world is that we're so categorised by colour when if you ask him, we're just all the same. Like, he didn't think about her yeah. differently or treat her differently. She was just bubby. And
1: yeah.
0: then one day it just hit him like, hold on a minute, your skin's a different colour. So, you know, it's mad. That is mad. I can, I can. I mean, I can't relate, but I'm sure he can relate to that story of finding yeah. out.
1: <laughs>
0: which is mad. Yeah. And um, It is
1: mad. It is mad.
0: No, I was just going to say, so obviously like you 've got your two sides right, in terms of your like cultural influence and background, would you say either side was stronger or like resonated more with you, or was it fairly balanced
1: um I think it was it was I think it was more balanced than you 'll find it is in most mixed families, and definitely when it comes to sort of you know white european black um African or even black Caribbean where normally i think especially where i grew up i think if you was like a mixed race boy you you, you I, th- I don't know what it is i don't know if it was just like the, the local culture or you know what it is but you felt i almost felt pressured to be act more black if that makes sense you yeah, yeah and it yeah, was yeah. like um and i think definitely once you get to secondary school for me everything changed when i got to secondary school i went to probably quite a good primary school and um, you know it wasn't wasn't amazing it was no private private school but certainly it, the contrast to secondary school was um was surreal it was a lot closer to tottenham
0: and mm-hmm. um, so
1: again really really mixed really really diverse but um there was a you know a much more of a sort of gang type culture and you kind of thought well you know you're either a pussy or a bad man was kind of like this you know the ridiculous you know (laughs) mindset that you have and therefore you need to act in that way and and i think when you're being a mixed race boy you feel like okay that's what i should be doing because that's what the majority of, of people who look like me or that i'm i'm being associated with act so um, I think that probably changed me a little bit but nothing significantly you know I think my vocabulary probably changed a lot um, and then I've had to re-engineer that to try and get into a, you know into decent jobs in the future <laughs> um, but I think I've been really balanced I think you know my mum my always says I'm probably a bit more like her than my dad I think I, I'm you know I take after my mum in a lot of ways in probably like you know how I've Treat other people and how I think about other people. My sister's very headstrong, you know, mm. um, and and don't get me wrong, has a massive heart and everything else. But it's very logical in the way she does stuff. Where my mum will make decisions with her heart, you know, not her head at times. So and I think yeah, I'm yeah, probably yeah. a bit, a bit more like that. But I've, there's definitely things I take from both sides. And where where my dad's why. And I think you know, like I said earlier, you kind of naturally look to your dad as like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be as a as a human being. This is like. How I should act, and, and I always looked up to my dad, you know. And, and I've still, you know, I still remember as well. I'm, my dad would be banging out crosswords and, you know, would try and get me involved in stuff. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I'm never going to be this smart. How is this guy <laughs> this smart? He used to intimidate me, man, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but so I think for for that, I always try to, you know, it, that's driven me a lot in my life is not letting my mum or my dad down. So I think, you know, a really long answer to your question, Saj. Um, I'm probably, I am probably very balanced I think and obviously growing up in England you know that's always going to have an influence yeah yeah definitely culture the the reality is in Edmonton well there's not really there wasn't really that many Eritreans so there's a lot more now but I didn't really grow up with anybody other than family and because none of my cousins were like my age or lived locally where you'd go out and play with them my friends were just my local friends so you know like you you look I, I was talking about sort of black culture anyway I'm talking about a bit bit ignorantly really because it's got nothing to do with Eritrean culture you know that's a massive generalization so I probably lacked even a a good understanding of some Eritrean culture and I think as I got older I learned a bit more and you know you meet more family you're a little bit more open-minded and so on and you you just balance you find your natural state I think eventually.
0: Have you ever been back to Eritrea or well not back to obviously you didn't come from there but have you ever I been to visit
1: <laughs> i have been to visit yeah in um, 96 and it was like it was the most humbling experience of my life i think um before that i'd, I'd been i've been to spain i think once and I, I remember i think it was like 92 my mum my and dad had saved up and my dad's jobs got better as we got older and we started you know going on holidays and stuff and that sort of um, time and I remember them saying, you know, we either go to America or Spain and you know, Spain this year or America next year. And we must have said, we'll go to America. So we went to Disneyland, and then the following year, we went to Asmara, which Where's is that? the capital of Eritrea. I should oh, say, well, I sorry, say my too.
0: bad, my bad.
1: <laughs> no, no, I say, I say, it, like I said earlier, most people don't even know the country, so you won't know necessarily the capital. Um, and, yeah, man, it was like everything, even from the flight was interesting because we couldn't get a direct flight. It was on Egypt Airs flying. We flew to Cairo, and then we had to fly uh, to Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. And then you get eventually into um, the airport in Asmara. And it was weird, sad, because, you know, you go there, and you've got, like, you know, 96. I don't know if internet was around. You know, I wasn't in a situation where I would have Googled Eritrea, yeah, where yeah, I had yeah. any visual, I don't even know, and it's going to sound stupid, but was even I don't even have the internet was out then. I don't think it was properly. Not, not. Uh, no, I don't think it was. I
0: don't think it was.
1: Wasn't it? Well, anyway, I basically had no preconceptions that were built on facts, you know, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like anything where like I'd spoken to someone or I'd gone through a book and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to expect. And I even remember this guy, Joe, in my class at school going, you know, is there like, what's it going to be like there? You're going to be like staying in a mud hut. And I was like, man, it ain't that bad. It's, you know, it's, they're going to, they have a building and you start thinking, I'm <laughs> oh, I going to be staying in a mud <laughs> hut. Yeah. Um, but no, it wasn't like that at all. It was like, you know, it was it, the, the Eritrea was an Italian colony. And right, actually right, it's right. like this got loads of um UNESCO like um heritage sites from buildings they've made before. Like don't get me wrong, it's it's you know it's it's weird. You'll have like a building with like crazy architecture the Italians made and then you'll have like almost a little town of of houses put together of corrugated kind of metal and stuff. And my grandparents' house was like, was a nicer house there for, for Eritrea, but it still wasn't one of these Italian ones, you know? It's still kind of like a, a DIY house. They were still living yeah. very, very poor, even though my mom obviously sends the money and stuff um but yeah it was nuts man i remember we, we you we come out of the airport and you go down the main road and i think a lot of countries will do this the first road as you come out of the airport was really nice and there's palm trees and then me and my sister were like this is all right we saw a cinema we got well excited <laughs> we're like they got they got you know the civilization you know it was it was nuts but you know they, these are countries that don't have sewage systems you know which are just sounds crazy you you take that for granted man when you walk past the public sewers every day the public toilets every day man you start appreciating what you have back home um, and a flushing toilet but the the thing that probably probably hit me the most is like just the way people are and what would happen on some days? We was there for two weeks. And my mum on some days would go, look, I'm going to go see my cousin, obviously, because it's always a cousin or her aunt. <laughs> um, and she would like go on a mission somewhere. And we go, look, okay, fine. We're just going to go for a walk. You know, and my dad's like very culturally interested by stuff. And me and my sister were as well. And it was nuts, man. You go for a walk and yeah. you'd end up like, there are no white people bopping street there. There are no people even like oh, wow. brown, like me. Everyone's yeah, just yeah. local. you know. And they're like, and like, it's not, as poor as this, but it's kind of like even seeing like like you know in in them adverts at times with, like all the little kids walking around and they've got no shoes on and they're wearing like football shirts that people have sent over some like twenty yeah, year old Man United kid and like like Mals. Maradona
0: ninety six and that right? <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and they're fake ones as well you know but
0: yeah
1: and like, but it was jokes so we're walking down the road and like you'd get a load of kids following you you'd end up like with like twenty kids following you and they'll be going Diliano which is like Italian they thought we was Italians right um, and they'd go money you know they'd ask you for money yeah 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 um, and and we always said you know don't give them money because as soon as you give one of them money that's it man that's 20 turns to 2000 <laughs> um and it, and it will be it will be nuts but we took stuff with us so we took clothes and we took toys and stuff to, to give to the kids which again you know it makes you really appreciate um what you have everything you have back here but yeah. the 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 main thing i'm getting to is the is the adults so you'd walk, we'd be walking down the road and people will would, would eat with their neighbors. So again, they'll share food. So they'll be outside and I'll touch on cuisine in a bit, but they've got like these, this, them, some of their main dishes. They use this big bread called injera. Right. Um, and I'll make giant ones with this curry and I'll pour it on top and there'll be like five, six people all sitting outside and you eat it with your hands, you rip the bread off, and they'll just be sharing their food. And as we're walking past, they'll, they'll be like, come, eat, eat.
0: Wow, these, no,
1: no adult in Eritrea will ask you for money. They won't ask you for anything. The people are really humble, you know. The kids are a bit different because they're cheeky yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, great, you know, if I can go home with a with a uh, with a dollar or whatever, you know, it, it'll be it'll be great. Um and that really hit home, man. It was like um, yeah, really, really humbling experience. We nearly got taken out by a herd of goats once as well, man. Just walking <laughs> the street and there's goats like beared and running down this hill. It was like, yeah, it was a really um, and also for me, you got to imagine, for, and for my sister, we met family that we'd never met before. My, I'd met my granddad before. I'd never met my mum's mum. I'd never met my grandma before. Wow. I'd never met um, one of my aunts before. I'd never met one of my uncles before. Um, and it was a shame because I've, um, you know, I said my mum's the oldest, and like three of her siblings had passed away already. We would have, you know, we never even got the chance to oh, meet those man. ones. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a, a sick holiday. I'll never forget. I'll, um, I'll take the kids one day. I've said one day I'd love to take the kids there, but the dictator's got to go, <laughs> then we might turn up, you know? What is that? Like, like, it's the political
0: like... situation's a bit hostile, is it?
1: Yeah, the the Eritrea had um, a civil war with Ethiopia. Well, they were annexed by Ethiopia and then they had like a war of independence for like 20 uh, or 30 years. Wow. Um, and that ended in like the 90s, but then there's skirmishes that last for ages. And actually the new guy in charge of, of Ethiopia was like, he won a Nobel Prize, actually, peace prize, and he made peace with Eritrea. But the problem with Eritrea is the guy who won the independence, that basically led the rebels up and they won their independence back and they claimed their country. He's still in power and he ain't letting go. And you know what, you know, it's it's joking if any any political party in Africa with a name democratic in it, you know they're the complete opposite. It's, <laughs> it's one <wonderful. laughs> It's the um, it's a bad fact, but I don't know. You if have, yeah, actually. you have
0: to let people know. Oh yeah, we are democratic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: promise. It's <laughs> in our name. Of course, we're democratic. <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> oh, it's I think.
1: Um, I don't know if it's still true, but it used to be the only country in Africa without any free press. So all the press is is state. You can only have state press there. You right, know. You which, know. Um, yeah. So, but things have got better. Like I said, the fact that they've got sort of peace with Ethiopia now. Makes you think now they just need some reform, some political change, and you know it's got it's a beautiful country, man. It's on it's on the on the on the Red Sea. It's like um, you know they've got they got islands with just like mad beauty. They've got crazy wildlife and stuff going on there. It's um, yeah, it's a really nice place. So one day I want to take the kids there and 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 likewise to my to my wife's country to Iran as well, so they get to sort of uh, understand all of their histories as far as we know anyway. Yeah,
0: I say the same um, with my son. Cause like, obviously my wife's being Irish. I'm just saying that for my listeners, obviously, you know that she's Irish, but, um, it's such a, it's such a mad mix is that I'm from Bangladesh and she's from Ireland and it's like, there's nothing that is similar between us. And then you actually get to know each other and you're like, wow, do you know what, at the base level, you're so similar. There's so many things. We're all family oriented, like you said, and everything's about family. Everything's around food. Like if you go to someone's house for like an event or like a, I don't know, someone's hosting and there isn't yeah. food there. That's a shocker. That's a shocker. Oh, 100%. It's a Everyone's strange. looking yeah. around like, what's going yeah. on? Where's the food? Like, is someone bringing yeah. it? Is a catering service coming? Honestly, because it's, it's that much of a big deal. And then I started noticing all the similarities and it's like, we aren't that, we aren't that dissimilar at all. You just think, yeah. you know, you've kind of gone your whole life thinking we're different. And like, I mean, for me personally growing up, knowing I had brown skin was such an obvious thing for me. And I used to see people yeah that why? and think, you know, naturally used to think they were definitely different to me. Um and it's mad, you know, how things end up and obviously like we're married now and my son's mixed with Irish and so he's quarter English, quarter Irish and then half Bangladeshi. So I wanna That's take awesome. him yeah like I want to take him to Bangladesh and I want him to see, you know, all of that and the way we saw it and then I will still want him to go to Ireland. Now I'll, I'll go to Ireland as well for sure, man. Um, yeah. I hear from...
1: Take my... it by the sounds of it, Saj. So they're, they're feeders as well, man. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Bring back some
0: of them potatoes, man.
1: I do that in the ones. We always take a wrap because well, they always make one for you, but there's always <laughs> leftover food because you can't leave people hanging.
0: Ah, wicked. No, that's wicked. Right, so I'm going to go into my yeah. first segment, if that's all right with you. Yeah. So first segment of the show, I want to introduce it to all the new listeners. Obviously, episode one. The segment is called One Word. So the idea is... From your heritage from your background you tell us one word from the language or of the languages that are spoken in that country and maybe it doesn't have a similar meaning to something in English or maybe it does have something but you just find it's an interesting word and then please just tell us about
1: it. So you're gonna to have to edit this bit outside because I ain't got one word to- Remember, I'll say another day, I've only got my, <laughs> I've only got my, I only speak a few words. So I could talk a bit about what I said the other day about the language. No, nah, that's cool. Word. That's cool. Is no, that man. okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry then. I'm sorry.
0: I'm not going to edit this out.
1: Okay, cool. All right, don't edit this out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I feel embarrassed already. So, I don't speak my mum's tongue. I don't speak um, Tigrinya, is my mum's main language. And I still remember some some words from from being younger. You learn bits, you know. You learn the essentials. So I learn. I know how to say I'm full up. <laughs> I know how to say thank <laughs> you. Um, I know what sit down means. Um, I know what be quiet means. So I know the essentials. <laughs> um, and it's weird as well because even like living, you know, my aunt would look after us um, a lot, and and. There's a lot of different influences so she'd use Arabic um, words sometimes you know she'd be always be Habibi or Habibi or Hab D from so that right um, so there was always like a real a real mixture so yeah I don't know any like proper words I always like like to throw an error train off because I can always spot an error train so um, although they could be Ethiopian there is like a real fine line but I, like I'm you know either way both tend to speak Tigrinya. and I know how I'll, I'll normally just say, Kemialiki or Kemialikar, if it's a, a man or a woman, which is just how are you? Or Menem um, Shimki or Menim Shimka, which is what's your name? And it just froze them, it froze them massively. It's uh, I Because they look at you off. and they sh- they're unsure. Yeah. And yeah. for a moment, I just think you're like some super educated person that somehow learned <laughs> about that. It's very niche, unique culture. It's almost an anticlimax when you tell them, yeah, I'm half over a train and that's all I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't say anything back. I won't understand it, you know? It's, um, it's not. It's not. It's- like,
0: that's always a funny thing I remember there was this video that went b- viral like amongst the Bengali community right <laughs> and all it was was this English geezer speaking Bengali at a market stall <laughs> and all he was saying yeah. like translation wise was sister sister come and buy these I think it was glasses and you can buy two, <laughs> you can buy two for a pound and these Bengali women at the market store were absolutely creasing and just because <laughs> he was English they were going nuts and you know what yeah? yeah that video is great I've still got that on my phone to this day it's a great video, Absolutely. but it is. Honestly, it throws people man, off big time.
1: I wish I could speak it. I wish I could I really do and I think it's hard for like, and we see it now, like, you know, my I don't speak anything else, but my wife speaks Farsi, um, but the kids don't. And I was like, we had to, you know, it's harder when me and Nas obviously can't converse and the kids just naturally pick it up. But for you, you need to speak to him, speak to your boy constantly. And, oh, and he'll, you know he'll what, just hard, learn man. the language. No, you have to do it. Man. We've got friends, that's his cousin. So Nasa's cousin, is my wife, um, her cousin um, is obviously Iranian as well, and he's married a Greek woman. Their son, um, their first son, the dad only spoke to him in Farsi, the mum only spoke to him in Greek, and he just picked up English. So bless him, this little kid wow. was confused at like two to three, because he would just be <laughs> like dropping words. And you're like, I don't know if I don't understand him, or if he's just not talking the same language as me. But now <laughs> he's sick, but he's like fluent in, in, in Greek, he's like fluent in uh, Farsi he's obviously fluent in English and you're going like, and you're right, it's hard because you have to like almost train yourself, you know, your habits to to make sure you're doing it that way. And then, you know, I wouldn't even worry so much about reading and writing because, you know, learning another language and and, an alphabet even is, is you know, a whole nother level. But um, I think it's a great skill to have if you do speak another language and it's a great show off thing as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's a great conversation piece for sure. Like when I, um, was learning Arabic. I mean, I'm not a great Arabic speaker, so don't be quizzing me, guys. But learning Arabic, like, for me, it was always it was always nice to be able to, like, understand it a bit and then, like, just throw in those little words in the conversation. People look at you like, oh, okay. But um, one thing I noticed is, like, generational gaps are creating massive, like, like, gaps in language. I think, like, if you look at some of my cousins, and I'm sorry to do this to you boys if you're listening, but some of them can't even understand a word. Like, do you want a cup of tea? And they just won't have any idea when my grandma speaks to them. And it hurts me, man. I look at it and I'm like, bruv, why can't you speak? Why can't you understand? Like, she's just saying, do you want tea? And um, it's hard. And I see it as obviously going down the generations, we're just not speaking to each other in it. So how how is it ever supposed to be retained? Whereas like for my mum and dad, they spoke to each other in Bengali all the time. So it was cool. Yeah. Cause they spoke to each other and then they obviously by default spoke to us. So we understood everything and then speaking back was a bit broken, but it's at the point now where I can still hold a good conversation with any Bengali person and it will be all right. But I know for sure, like if I'm not speaking it to my son and um, like, obviously my wife doesn't understand it either. So I'm just going to be speaking to him. He's going to think thinking, what's going on here. What language are you speaking? Mama doesn't speak that. And then I just feel like that's it's inevitable that it's going to die out. Do you know what I mean? And it's sad because like, I know my parents would be devastated if, you know, you told them that two generations time, your language will be gone. And that would be that. But what can we do? it, man? Well, it won't
1: be gone. It will be, you know, and for you, it's even harder because then you've, you've, you've got Arabic as well. And you think and almost for you, I suppose, actually, you've almost got the choice for your son in going, you know, if actually I'm only going to try and teach you one thing because two would be hard which one's easier, but the language will always live on in the country. The language yeah, will always yeah. live on in the country, you know, and, and, um, and that, that will always remain, it's always going to be hard when you move somewhere and you're right. Once everyone speaks English and you go, you know, you don't need two languages. It's a, um, yeah, it's although you, you can, my, my last piece of digression on this, I had one friend, go on. an Indian friend who was born um, in Hong Kong and spoke perfect Cantonese. Oh my days. So like pure Indian looking, his English was perfect. You know, he, he's I think he went to a private school over there. I don't know what he did, but he's, so he could speak. I can't remember what, I, think, I don't know if it was, I don't know. He could speak something else, but he he could speak Cantonese. So whenever he would take a girl out for a date, he would always go to a Chinese restaurant and order and in order in Cantonese. Yeah. That is mean, sick. And mic, mic drop, you know, it's a, <laughs> um, it's a, if it's, a, if it's, Somebody that—it's definitely some some points, you know. There's definitely some points there. So it's, um, yeah,
0: you know, when you're yeah. brown and you can speak them type of Asian languages, yeah. that's just mad. It just doesn't. not suit- even
1: sound like a language, either, yeah. man. It's like a hard one to get your head around because it you, like it just sounds like the same sound with just slightly different pictures that's used a lot, and it doesn't yeah. seem like a, a sentence has been strung together. So like for yeah, for how I talk and the, the, the only language I know, it seems alien to me, man. So yeah, it's super, it's super impressive. Like, no, super that is impressive. cool. And I've been to a restaurant with him when he's done it as well, and I'm like, and the waiters, they were like, "What? This guy's nuts! He speaks our language." It's no, crazy. that is
0: nuts. They, I mean, yeah, they're going to be confused as anyone else, looking around, yeah. thinking, "Oh my days, why is this brown guy speaking like us?" <laughs> yeah. Madness. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next thing, and this is a bit of a another segment, is um, it's a bit of a joke one. So obviously, take it light-hearted. People, don't you know, cancel me already. But um, don't sue me. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early. Um, this segment is called stereotypes, right? So I kind of want to just touch on a few stereotypes that might be attributed to your culture and then, you know, just talk about it and see if it's true. Because in my opinion, uh, stereotypes like exist for a reason. I think some of them are bang on and to be fair, you know, I think a lot of cultures might have to say the same for them. The only problem is when people from different ethnicities start calling your your stereotypes out and then you're a bit <laughs> yeah. like, yo, 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 you can't say that. So yeah, exactly
1: that. is there it's
0: anything it's- that you would attribute to either of your sides that you would say is a bang on stereotype?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. Like I said I said earlier, my, my parents are kind of like really they've got areas where they're just complete opposites, like at extremes, and those extremes often are stereotypical. So like my mum is typically like typically late and, and the whole Eritrean community and I don't feel guilty if any Eritreans are listening to this because you know you are you've been to a wedding before they tell you get there at eight don't get there at eight Saj get there at ten bruv no one's there at eight o'clock we, we I swear to you we went to one last year and it's like I hadn't been to one for a few years and this just completely left my brain and my wife's like a very organized person, you know, she doesn't like to be late for stuff. And and we've got young kids and we were like, we have to be home, we have to leave it, you know, reasonably out or they're going to be getting tired. And I think it was like uh, six o'clock. They said, you know, it, it starts at six or we plan to be there for six because it started at four. It started <laughs> at four. Right, right, right. right. We planned to get there for six. <laughs> We get there at 6 and I, said, and I said to Nash, you know, there will be some people and stuff there. My mum's supposed to be there. The joke is, I don't even really know the the the, uh, the woman who's been married. It was just a reception in the evening. Right. it's the community. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll go there. My mum will be there. We'll sit with her and my dad. We'll say hello to some people and then the kids are going to get tired. We're going to have to go home. We get there. Not only is hardly anyone there. My mum's not even there, such. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just me, my <laughs> wife, and my kids, who who are again with sore thumbs. The only non name trains. They're saying hello to people, and I'm so bad with names. I've never been oh, great no. with names. I'm good with numbers. If people were numbered, I'd be good in life. <laughs> but it just doesn't work for me. So um, you're there saying hello, being polite, and going, "Please," and you know, and you're going, "I should really introduce you to my wife," but I don't know what, <laughs> what I should introduce you as. So um, yeah, that that kind of epitomizes the lateness of, but it's just a relaxed culture you know it's just one of those cultures where you know like i said the the, the world the people are from is like life is hard you know and but at the same time there's not like a nine to five you know wh- wh- don't speak to anybody kind of mentality it's, yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah yeah so so lateness is definitely you know probably probably the, the one from both sides that sticks out or probably the most you know my mum's. <laughs> um always late and probably like there's probably no other real like like even they're all very like just common ones i think you know they're they are very they are feeders you know they're feeders they're they're, it's a culture and i've picked this up definitely where like you learn to give but not to take yeah yeah you can give things yeah but you you explain that to an eight-year-old child when people come around and they go here's some chocolates for your kids and your mum goes yep We'll open them up later on, or we'll give it to them tomorrow. And they go, and your mum goes, You ain't getting these. <laughs> We're giving these to someone else. I'm going to give these as a gift to someone. Re gift
0: them, yeah.
1: I swear, yeah. my mum is the best regifter. You know, she doesn't hold it, it'll be re So it's a, um, so things like that used to, used to always happen. Um, but again, I think they teach you sometimes the, the, the value. Um, and my dad's kind of, like I said, from a lateness is a polar opposite. My dad is not just bang on time, my dad's going to be there five, 10 minutes early. Yeah, yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, English
0: timing.
1: time. Yeah, English time. My granddad was even worse. I swear to you, Saj. I stayed at his house for a week. My my mum and my sister went to Germany. My dad was working. Right. Um. And my nan had passed away at this point, so I stayed at my granddad's and my cousin. Um, who I've rarely seen, and he was much older than me, and he lives up in Leeds. We stayed with my granddad, and I swear we were having dinner at four o'clock, and I was like, why is everything (laughs) happening so early in the day? Um, And we went to an Arsenal game. He took me to an Arsenal game, and we were there at like... um, And we used to go to the supporters club beforehand, which opens up well in advance. We were there before even the supporters club, so we were just walking for like an hour before anything's even (laughs) open. Um, so there's definitely that that massive extreme of, of timekeeping, which made holidays were always a bit stressful when we used to be going, um, getting ready to go, you know, get on a train to get on a plane somewhere because my mum would be running late trying to pack everything into the suitcase, <laughs> you know, literally frying hands. We, in fact, I'll tell you this story. This is jokes. My mum's a, a very functional person. She'll make use of everything. We once went to Beirut, of all places. Right. And um uh, and so it's slight digression, but it kind of relates. Um, we 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 were going through security. So right. me, my mum, my dad, and my sister. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, if you see my mum and dad walking down the streets, we used to get they would still get stares. You know, I, I i massively admire my parents. Yeah, right? I was gonna say they that. Went, like, yeah. was it
0: done being like inter interracial marriages like at that time or
1: not when they were not when they got started. Not when they you know my mum and dad have been married for forty years now.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah my mum and dad
1: had been married for 40 years bro so like 1980 the world was not a good place in 1980 it was better than probably the you know the the previous decade but like it was not a good place my yeah 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 so you know and i don't think they had any abuse there was nothing i'm aware of anyway my mum's family my mum's aunt in particular wasn't happy about it my dad's side of the family were all cool um, my mum's aunts oh, like you should be with an era trail and all, all, um that kind of stuff. But um, but, but oh, wait, I'll go back onto this story and I'll come sorry. back to no, that. Sorry, go no, on, go on, go on. So we're going through security right. and security stops um, me and, uh, who did they stop? Me and my mum and they let my sister and my dad go. I think it was something like that. They definitely let my dad go. And my dad's standing there <laughs> um, and they're going, sir, can you please keep walking? And he goes, you've got my wife and my son. And I'm like, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't realize you're, you're together and my I come whatever my bag comes out I get my bag and I'm just waiting for my mum my mum bag comes through and they're like we need to look ins- inside your bag we're flying to Beirut yeah so this is just this is off this is probably 9899 this isn't long after the civil war that they've had there yeah, yeah so yeah, there was yeah, like yeah. you know bad stuff happening there my mum has decided she can't find for her rollers for her hair she can't find the plastic clips that go through it you know the ones that keep they just keep it in place if you have yeah, yeah, yeah. any him. so what she's done instead to improvise that she found a bag of nails and she's brought a bag of metal nails onto a plane oh. going for security now like this isn't you know you get nail bombs now what are you doing you don't take that kind of stuff um so they confiscated oh, the nails but they thought the whole thing was quite quite funny but it was um but again that's my mum you know my mum is just like what were you talking about i I needed something, I just used this, you know, and I think
0: no, you know, my mum's
1: blunt, my mum's to the point, you know, and I think that is cultural as well. My, my dad's probably a little bit typically British at times. He'll be more polite, you know, he'll go, a yeah, you're a dick." he won't say it, <laughs> you yeah, know, but you yeah, could, yeah. I could tell from his face when, when, he, when he thinks that stuff. Um, yeah, they're probably the main ones. They're probably the main ones, to be honest with you.
0: No, that's quality. That's quality. So, what are you like, would you say, with the lateness? Are you all right on time or? For sure,
1: I've improved, I've improved, Saj. I can tell you that, but um, I'm not the best. I'm not the best. I'm the funny thing is, one of my best friends is um, half Egyptian, half English, and we are so similar. So, when we meet up for stuff, we always both lie to each other, um, knowing that we're probably both going to be a little bit late, so we build in a bit more time, you know. It's a oh, it's, mate,
0: I'm the same
1: a relationship. I do think it's just generally, like, is it is a laid-back kind of mentality, you know. And for some things, it's fine, you know. Other things, you do need to be a little bit more on point, I suppose. But...
0: Yeah, we call it Bengali timing as well, like two hours before. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're going to tell someone to be somewhere, just give them two hours advance. And then they'll probably still turn up late to that. But it's honestly, like, because obviously my wife's always on time, banging on to me. Oh, why are you not yeah. ready yet? Why, why have you decided to do this now? I'm just like, you know, I just want to live my life. And then like, ah, oh, and the worst one is when we go to my in-laws, they'll call us. like So they'll tell us to come for like lunch or whatever at one o'clock or something, yeah? We'll be on the way and like it'll be like twelve forty five, fifteen 15 minutes. In my mind, right, we are about 20 minutes away, 25 minutes away. That's perfect, that's bang on time. By the time they get the dinner on the table, we'll be in the door, ready to eat, Do you know what I mean? I don't need to be there for the small talk before when the dinner's getting made, Do you know what I mean? <laughs> So they'll call us, effect. yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? They'll call us at 12.05, <laughs> where are you? And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, we're still <laughs> early. There's no reason to call now. But they'll be like, oh, you know, we're getting ready to serve it for one. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's not one yet. And honestly, like for the first like year, I was like, why do they keep doing that? I don't understand. Cause in my mom's it's house-
1: stressing out, man. <laughs> yeah, man,
0: in my mom's house, you just roll in whatever time and they'll just heat up the food and that's it, you just eat. And it was never a thing. So for me, it was always like nuts that, you know, dinner had to be served. And I mean, they're not that regimented if they're listening. I'm sorry, guys, I'm not trying to dig you out. But like, <laughs> it was, it was, It's everything's like precise. And then my wife's yeah. on to me, like, oh, you need to make sure, you know, we're there on time and this and that. But like, like you and, you know, your family is very much like a relaxed culture for us. It was like, yeah, yeah we'll turn up when we turn up. And like, our weddings are the best as well, because like, you think um i think most weddings will probably say 12 30 is the first sitting they call it because i don't know if you know about asian weddings yeah but sometimes there's more than one f- like food sitting just because they'll invite like 700 people to a 300 people capacity oh, wow, okay. place <laughs> so they're like all right we're gonna have two and uh, two and a half seatings so we've got to make it's sure like there's the enough line of
1: people just honestly mate, just churning them out just churning yeah.
0: them out. so then like you want to get there for that first sitting they'll be like 12 30 really that means two o'clock and you know if you're there for two you'll get a nice spot if you're there for about half two then it's probably going to be a bit difficult but everyone's turning up and you're like hold on there's 700 people right now in this hall and (laughs) there's 300 seats what's going on so honestly i remember one of the last weddings i went to um we waited so long because we were like no let the like the elderly people and the kids and stuff eat first i was so hungry i just went and got chicken and chips <laughs> I was waiting for like two and a half hours. Your first sitting was like two and a half hours. I was like I'm not waiting. I went and got a burger and chips and I came back.
1: Oh Your man was probably gone when you come back as well, man. Oh That's man, <laughs> always, always.
0: <laughs> but um nah that is that,
1: man. Musical chairs might have started in Bangladesh, you know. <laughs> might have started at Bangladeshi weddings. It could be could be a true story.
0: Nice nah, mad, it is mad. But um so before you mentioned food, right? So I think yes. something that I find mad and um like i love it i mean i'm not that adventurous with food i mean i try it as much as i can so like east asian food i've tried and like i've tried brazilian i've tried i've tried a bit of african but not like you know i'm not like well versed in anything so for me it's always like i don't know if you know this right but i can spend hours and hours just watching cooking shows on youtube my guilty pleasure 100% so i'm i'm very interested in like knowing what people eat I just I just love talking about food. So for me, having you talk about Eritrean food, tell us about it, man. So
1: we we need to get you some Eritrean food in your 100%. life. One hundred percent. I'm biased, but it is good food, and my testimony is probably where I've lived with um, people that have never had Eritrea. So at uni, with like friends that I've lived with in like house share kind of things, where well, my mum made zigni. Zigni is the one you want. Zigni is like a curry dish. Right. Um, it's normally made with like with beef or chicken
0: banging love them
1: both yeah you will love it so it's kind of probably a bit similar to to some some asian curries okay um like wet more west asian not like more not like oriental type type dishes but they use this um this powder called berbere um and i think um i don't know where else you can get it from i don't know what even goes into this like it's just ground up all these like herbs and spices whatever it sounded like you said burberry no, it did sound like it, but it's because I can't say it properly. <laughs> but you know what? That's a great way of remembering it. Berbere, Is it's it like tried... No, it's not. Oh, it's okay. like fake Burberry. <laughs> okay, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, something like that. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's like a, and it's got tomato-based dish. So you know, it's like red. It's rich. They, they love ghee butter. I love oh, yes. ghee butter. Oh it all about the ghee, man. Amazing. So normally you would have is one of the main ones, but I mentioned that bread earlier. So you get like like here we'll have the bread and they'll make it in a in a pan. So it's like basically the same size as a plate. And right. you put the, the the and the bread's called injera. Yeah, yeah. So my mum, they'll make it at home, they'll you know, rise their own yeast, etc. And they'll just they'll go do everything from scratch. Um and then yeah, you have your injera, you put your zigni on top. You normally have a backup injera to help you know get through get through it all <laughs> um and that's that's probably my favorite dish I'll, you know i'll never forget i was in um, i lived in south london for a little while and i was i was working at a restaurant i was working for wagon back then and i was right. on the bus with my food I'd, well, I'd worked late and it was probably like midnight and i've got my food from work in my bag and i'm starving i haven't eaten dinner at all because i used to work weird hours back then. And I'm on the bus and I can smell Zigny. I'm going, what the hell is that? And I can see a guy and I said earlier, I could clock near a train and I was like, I'm really sorry, but I was like, have you got Zigny? Because it's not just Zigny. That's my mum's Zigny. I can smell it. Um, and he was like, yeah, he goes, there's a restaurant just around there, like in Brixton. Brixton's where all the good ones are basically. There's a few oh, wow. probably... Around seven sisters ways as well, but um, yeah, if you go, if you ever go to an Eritrean restaurant and do, and it'll be you, you're more likely to find an Ethiopian restaurant, but the cuisines are really similar.
0: Right, um, right,
1: right. Zign is what you want to get, but there's another one called Shura that's a bit lighter. That's like a more of a I think they use like chickpeas to make it, um, so it's not as, as spicy. But the joke is, um, uh, my favourite dish. Uh, my mum sometimes cusses me for it because it's like what it's like the poor person's dish, right? In in in, every, in a poor country, you know, in Eritrea, where you basically like the. Once injera goes dry, it doesn't taste anywhere near as nice. Mm. So, like, what they will do with the old injera, they'll put it in a pot and they'll just put in a bit of the that burberry and like ghee <laughs> and some other stuff, um, and I'll mix it all up, and it's just like this really sweet, rich, spicy like bread that's just absorbed all the curry. It is wow. banging.
0: My mouth is watering. Mean,
1: it's i swear that's why i don't watch cooking shows i can't do it because i will put on weight if we <laughs> the bake-off is a is a no-go in this house man bake-off just makes me eat and it's on too late in the, in oh, the day as well i'm
0: a big bake-off um, fan i'm not gonna lie yeah
1: yeah we'll, 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 we'll have to start another podcast on them um, yeah we'll start another one just on food man <laughs> i want some
0: of this injera and some of that zigny
1: yeah you do Ooh. you need injera and zigny in your life there's um know, yeah, i swear i said to my mom she should make her own um we should have our own little restaurant and there's oh, sure the other one yeah and footfoot's sure. the one that i love footfoot's the poor man's dish but there's a few there's um there's one called alacha as well that's like alugobi you know like that uh um, yeah yeah vegetables what's the i can't think of the spice that makes them go yellow but it's got the same spice, same sort of spice, which, there we go yeah yeah um so, that was yeah, a, mad, that was a about... mad
0: pronunciation as well by the way of what alugobi
1: yeah do you know what as i was saying it, i was like i don't really know it well enough <laughs> what did i say i said alugobi didn't i
0: <laughs> yeah it was just it was just very english it's all right man chicken tikka masala right. and all that in it yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> some things i've learned some things i've learned the thing is is when you learn it from somebody off that uh, ethnicity you'll learn it properly yeah probably learn it from, from mama i've got it from my dad there you go people
0: always ask to, like me i mean everyone even my in-laws like friends colleagues always oh what's your favorite curry i'm like bro. I just eat chicken curry. I don't know what it's called. Like, we don't have, yeah. we don't have, like, madras and bloody, <laughs> what are they called, man? Flipping vindaloo. I don't even know what, I swear to you, I didn't know what a vindaloo was until I was about 21 years old. And I went to a restaurant and I was like, oh, so this is what vindaloo is. Madras, c- kormas we had, kormas we had, and it was like a, um, what are they called? Like a festival type, celebratory type chicken. And it's nasty, to be fair. <laughs> i really like it but um yeah man it's nuts it's like it's, it's so it's different not on a
1: menu is it yeah it's not the same stuff that's on a, on a, on a menu or something and that's like what that. i'm saying it's i want that
0: authentic list. so next time yeah. yeah i'm expecting covid to pass and then i'm expecting that zigny with some
1: We'll hit, up a, we'll hit up an Eritrean wedding because there's always bare food left at the. there oh, 100% <laughs> do you know what
0: I used to do that when I was a kid sometimes man yeah. just like tag along to random weddings and be like yeah yeah I know so and so yeah yeah just sit down third sitting do you know what I mean third sitting is the best yeah. one by the way if you ever go to an Asian wedding second or third because the, the big eaters have cleared out already so you're there on a table of like 12 seater table but two of you and that's it you'll get like a Don't platter then
1: like... you risk like losing like if all the good stuff goes
0: no 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 because it's all in massive pots so it's always cooking they'll just cook it in the back and they'll bring it in and it's always okay. nice man and then if you get the if you get that what you want is the starters though it's all about the starters all my bengali people listening even my asian people listening they know about the the wedding starters at asian weddings are banging
1: What are they are they like are they so are they, like are they in pastries or are they like or is it like no we don't
0: or? we don't do pastries you know we don't oh, really do pastries
1: you gotta get pastries in your in your yeah. Oh, anyway don't nah, we
0: don't do any pastries you know we um it'll always be like a even like a tandoori chicken um, yeah, yeah. chicken tikka with a bit of mint sauce and then you'll probably get like a sheet kebab um and then sometimes i mean it depends like pakistanis i can't speak for you lot i don't really know what you lot eat apart from chapatis and that so i don't really know but for us bengalis it's usually just that same old stuff and then um sometimes you have this other thing what's it called sana chat which is basically chickpea it's like a cold chickpea coleslaw type situation i'm not gonna yeah, lie it's I'll nasty in it, to it but pakistanis love it yeah, yeah shout out to my pakistanis but <laughs> you like eat some nasty food sometimes Flip, you know? <laughs> do you know what yeah one I'm of my one of my
1: waiting f- to get that shot in <laughs> i have
0: i have one of my future guests um hopefully he's i don't know if he's gonna want to be a guest now but he's uh he's a pakistani brother of mine and uh yeah i'm looking forward to that episode let's put it that way
1: yeah he's gonna he's got time to build some material back I'll, I'll <laughs> on that one. it's gonna be a battle more than anything else
0: <laughs> and do you know what that leads me into my next topic right so um one thing that i think and it really when i was thinking about doing this podcast and like trying to understand what it is i wanted to talk about i wasn't really sure how it would go which way it would lean and like what topics i would want to cover because i think it's so rich and so diverse in terms of what we could talk about But one thing that I've noticed more and more and more and ever present in today's culture and today's day and age is racism. And growing up, personally, growing up to now, I've had such different experiences of racism in that now I feel like people, I mean, racists are just braver and more vocal and their platform has just been amplified to the point now where Twitter, Facebook, whatever else, they're everywhere. You can't, you can't really go anywhere without finding racists there now. And I feel like when I was growing up, like racist experiences, like for I tell you one story, right? Is um, I mean it's a minor story, but there was this one girl oh. who's she was like probably like twenty year old girl, woman, girl, whatever. Um, she lived at the top of our road, and uh, I was like six, five, six, seven, maybe. And my little brother was maybe, so he was four years younger, he was like three. And we were both outside, just like playing, just riding our bikes and that. And she came, she was walking past. And out of nowhere, never chat to this girl in my life. She was like, um, she was like, oi, you effing packies. And I was like, what the hell?
1: That's, and, that's rude and ignorant.
0: And I was like, hold on a minute. yeah." So at the time, I had no idea what a packie was. I had no yeah. idea that that was an insult. I didn't know it was referencing Pakistani people, which let me just say is bigger insult than actually being called a Paki. Let me just say that right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was, right? So I went inside and I felt a bit upset because the way she said it, I could tell it was like an insult, but I didn't know what it was. And I said to my, my mom and dad were both there and I said, Oh, that girl who lives at the top of the road, just called me and my brother a Paki. And she was like, what's that? And my dad went nuts. He went up there and he was like, you ever speak to my son again like that? And it's not going to be good. You know, you've got to watch what you say. Don't be rude. Don't be disrespectful. And, you know, learn how to speak to people. And he gave her this proper talking to. And that girl never spoke to us again. But oh, point well. of the story is, point of the story was, was, right? She was never
1: seen again. So that's <laughs> yeah, how that's probably. Again. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like, I remember that, right? Because that was like my first ever experience of racism. And then throughout life, it was kind of like that similar type of thing someone drove past or you packy or like i remember once i was getting food with my boys and there was this these these guys outside a pub and they were like drunk and they were like, like show us your passports lads show us your passports and i was like what is this going on about Show us my passport and then i clocked he was trying to say you know whatever we were immigrants or whatnot and it was that kind of but whereas now i feel like it's people are brave and
1: like it's it's got to the point now i think it's social media now Saj. i think that's the difference is people are braver behind the phone where you can say what you want and be a million miles away and be a different name you know and and no one gets it and i think that's the change i think it's now like you know it's 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 partly media because i think Mm. media you know can portray what it wants and you know always focus on that point zero zero one percent of any demographic to go look, look at these extremists or whatever and paint a picture of a whole cultural group and the problem you get is if somebody's never met in the same way you said earlier you know when you'd never um you know when you used to see like white guys now you're married to a white girl you know you would never have thought that but you had you had stereo you had, might have had your own stereotypes and thoughts oh, about 100%. people because, and, and, and it's only when you start meeting people and you need to meet enough of them as well because you're always yeah. going to meet you might meet one or two weird ones you don't want to get like a <laughs> false impression and, I, and do you know what and you just soon start to realise people are pretty much the same and and this is, goes back to like I mentioned my parents are polar opposites but their morals hmm. are the same what's right and what's wrong is the same and I think if you've got that then, then everything else kind of uh, falls in place and I think these people that like you know racist i think most of it is ignorance Mm. most of it is just like people who are just just don't understand and all they've understood about a particular culture or color is what they've seen on tv and what their parents might have said who you know probably more ignorant or whatever and don't get me wrong there might be some that are just real life experiences and they go oh do you know what this happened to me you know i got robbed by a black guy once they're all they're all thieves you know and, and <laughs> you know whatever you know it, 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 yeah that's all almost more justified i suppose but it's still not it's still um it's still an ignorant approach but um i think i'm probably quite lucky like that you know i don't think i think like again all of my friends at primary school, at secondary school, at uni, the areas I've lived in have always been really multicultural. So I think I've been really lucky where, I remember going to Scotland once and having like somebody, and again, it was a drunk person coming out of a pub when I was walking to the chicken shop next door. <laughs> and um, there's more than one stereotype in that, but whatever. But she she's and she said something, and she tried to hit me. A drunk oh Scottish woman tried to hit me, and I was like, I've been, I'd never been to Scotland before. I've been in Scotland for not even, probably not even an hour. And um, yeah, that was my first first experience. So basically, many you times. hate Scottish
0: people now, is that it?
1: Or? so my surname, <laughs> as you know, is Scottish. Man, grand, oh, Scottish is. surname. My, my is. I mentioned my dad's grandparents for from all four, but it was my, you know, my dad's middle name is Duncan. My granddad's name was Gordon. We were like, we were like, they're all like, bait Scottish Scottish names. A lot you know? of Scottish
0: um, names with the kilts and all that
1: yeah well exactly that i've got we've got our clan colours and, and everything' there's um, a yeah, there's a lot a lot of there's yeah random history on both sides but, um, <laughs> but that's probably the only thing that's ever happened to me that's been direct kind of you know racism we where um, where you see it you know i think you used to sometimes maybe see it a bit more in like when i lived in i went to kingston uni which is like you know a, a much nicer area than where i grew up um, and probably a lot less mixed other than the students from from universities and there's people from everywhere i hmm. used to maybe see a few things there it's uh, i remember my, my sister telling me a story She she went to the same uni and there was some like i can't think which group it was but there was like a you know british front or some kind of group you know like literally like standing there because there was like this old woman like screaming at people and the woman starts throwing abuse at my sister going you know go back to where you come from and she's like what do you mean go back to where i'm coming from i'm born in north london i'm not, I'm not gonna cross the river again <laughs> <So> i'm <laughs> staying down here thank you very much and um and the woman just kept having a pop and my sister just goes to her do you know what? You're old. You're gonna die soon anyway. I don't care what you think. <laughs> what? Off man. She's cold. When she wants to be cold. And, um, yeah, you get you get that. I think you know when you see it, like you see it with older generations, and I think there's no justification. But like we. You know, how long ago was it where, you know, and there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot more racism now, but I think there's a lot more awareness of it as well. And when there's more awareness, then it makes other extremists come out to go, wait a minute, these people are trying to, you know, they're trying to put us all on the level playing field or, yeah, you know, yeah. they're trying to put them more in favor. And, you know, you know, there's no, the world hasn't changed and human beings have not evolved. A significant amount in a hundred years such yeah how much have we have we changed The society changed and like when you think that like when was it when you you know there'll be signs on pubs in England saying no no blacks no Irish no dogs you know that's yeah. not a lot, long time that's people that's still alive you know like um experienced and might have even condoned that stuff so I don't think I'm not surprised that we still see it. I think it's good that we see change. I just think the way media and and society approaches it is just wrong because i think everyone looks at race and i think the you know a lot of it's on on um, religion or is it on black and white often mm. you know it's it's like oh no you're right actually i think asians and you know you mentioned Paki earlier, you, you see a lot of that. And it's only when I went to uni and there's like one of my, uh, my housemates from Pakistan, he goes, yeah, Paki's a fine word to say, as long as you're a Paki, you know? You go, oh, okay. yeah. no, okay. And I did no, that was okay, man. <laughs> um, and you, yeah, you, you, you learn different things. But I think, yeah, people need to be, um, people should just realize that we are all so similar. The, the similarities, and and I think my, weirdly, I mentioned I worked at Wagamon. My time there was really eye opening, where it was so culturally diverse. You'd meet people from from East Europe. There was like, and they'd come in contingents, so there'd be like six Polish people would just start in, in a week. You know, they all know each other. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, was yeah. a load of um, Congolese. There was a load of uh, guys that came from Burma. Wow. Um, there was yeah, Hungary, Poland, Bulgaria, uh, Italians. There was loads of Italians. I met loads of um, people from Napoli. And like, what was jokes is with all of them. We all got on so well, and it was just because you go like again. We've got the same morals. What we think is right and wrong. When those things start conflicting, that's when when things are different. And people naturally like to put people in buckets. It's, it's our natural state. We like to find what's what's different. And you know, some people find it interesting, um, and some some see it as, as as you know as as just different, and that scares them. You know, it's not me. What is that? It's it's crazy, man.
0: So you mentioned like. You said it hasn't affected you directly but have you ever felt like it affected you indirectly is there anything you feel like it's held you back from or you weren't able to advance because of it
1: yeah i think um i, I think i briefly touched on this earlier but you know when like i said secondary school and, and i don't want to sound too critical of my secondary school you know i enjoyed um lots of it. I had lots of good friends at the time and I think you know you learn things in all scenarios you know I think I have got my street smarts if you like probably more at secondary school um but I think I my vocabulary had changed and not changed significantly but you you, you know from 10 11 whenever you join up to 16 your vocabulary is going to change anyway because you learn more bigger and longer words is what's supposed to happen but I learned shorter words that weren't word in a dictionary most of the time so it probably um, it probably didn't help. And then I found when, when I left, I went to uni. And, you know, again, uni, you you I probably relax. And I think I matured a lot there. Hmm. But then you start going for jobs, I found. And, and... so actually, no, even before that, even, even just being mixed race as a younger boy, like I got stopped by the police a lot, probably from when I was around 15, 16. And this yeah. wasn't because of, you know, let me caveat this, people, I wasn't a bad kid. I was never a bad kid. I've always been like, I've always been the sensible one in the group. I'm the boring guy in the group that goes, don't know if you should do that, guys. Um, <laughs> I got stopped a lot, and a lot of my friends weren't necessarily the right guys. But even from school, we used to get stopped loads. I lived in 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 Peckham. Um for a year and every time I and again I was working in Wagamama I used to come off the train late at night with food. I used to always you would have loved me, Sarge. I always had food with me back then. <laughs> and um there was there was often police at Peckham Station for for reasons I probably don't need to explain. Yeah. And they'd have dogs and this dog would stop me like I swear, like one in three times. And and I'd go and and I'd look at it and I'd go, like, the dog didn't move. The dog I I didn't notice the dog moving at all. But the police will go to you, you know. Sorry, the dogs, you know, gesture that you might have something on you. Let me, yeah. Can I search? Oh my god! I've been pulled over in, you know, especially when I had my Fiesta, and this thing was probably asking to be pulled over for roadworthiness, you know. But (laughs) um, that, that that car, I probably got pulled over like four or five times in that car. No reason. There was never a reason. It wasn't like, you know, one of them was actually, it was almost like a, a it was like a car chase. I had this uh, police car's behind me and I'm going down this road. that's 20 miles an hour with speed bumps. Right. And there's cars parked either sides. And then I can see flashing lights behind me and I'm like, I can't pull over anywhere. I'm just going to have to go really quick to try and help them get to wherever they're getting to. And like, I had to drive probably like 500 meters down the road, you know, and then I've pulled over into like where there's a side road and they've stopped for me. And I was like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, oh no, you know, and the, and I'm never stupid, you know, I'm never like, I'm never going to make a situation worse. I'm not yeah, going to be going, yeah. what, what the F you putting me over for, blah, 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 blah. I'd always be polite and I'd use my intelligence and I'll drop some better vocabulary you know i would be talking to them in, in a better way mm. and immediately they change their their impression of you and for me that epitomizes it all you know people judge people on how they look how they look but it's only until you speak to someone and you get to know someone do you know what they're actually truly like And when you're in a position to really decide if they're good or bad you know nothing else nothing else should really make a difference so um so probably yeah through through them kind of incidents and i think work work i think as well i think i've noticed it where sometimes it's it's probably more of a cultural thing you maybe don't feel as like you're you're part of of, of a culture um you know i think you know maybe a little bit around job progression and and, and that kind of thing but again i think at times i'm one of them people such i don't like to think I hate the concept, to be honest, with you thinking maybe I'm not getting somewhere because of my colour. And I don't think it's colour. I don't think it's because of my skin tone. I think I could be darker. I think I could be fully Eritrean. Mm. And from born in a county, in an area where everyone around me was white and I speak and talk and fully embrace and turn into that culture, I think then, you know, I would then have found it easier in my working career. So I don't think it's got anything to do with the colour of my skin. I think it's got to do with the culture, with the way I talk, with probably my directness you know i'm probably a lot more direct than than you know i'm polite but if something's bad i'm gonna say it's bad you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat around the bush and i think um you yeah, know things like that are probably examples of where where maybe there has been some indirect and and again i don't know if racism is the right word prejudiced you know where, where you may yeah. not falling into that right culture
0: yeah no i definitely I, I don't know if i can say i resonate. It's more that like studies have been done i'm not going to drop the stats off the top of my head but like where they sent out cvs of um of someone with like an asian sounding name and you know they did a mirrored cv with an english name and like the uptake was so much more higher with the english names and it was like and i used to always think because i really struggled getting my first job i really struggled um thankfully it's been better since then because obviously i had, had experience but I just used to think to myself, you know, like, what else can I do? All you have to do is meet me, speak to me, and then, you know, you'll get to know I'm all right. And I used to always beat myself up and think, you know, um, what more can I do? What, what else, what else are people my age doing? And then seeing friends around me getting jobs and, um, like after uni, you know, loads of my friends got jobs really quickly. And I was like, man, like I'm taking forever to, and it took me months. And, um, just the whole time I was thinking and I, I can't say you know directly that that's because um, of my name or whatever my ethnicity or my religion I don't know but then you see studies like that Oxford Uni or whatever it was that did it and then you think actually wow well, man maybe it was that you know like maybe I had a prejudice there was prejudice there in you know in the minds of people that were recruiting that Oh, actually you know Asian named candidates are usually less worth- less
1: capable or less you know Um, do you think it's conscious do you think it's a conscious thing that that people do because i completely agree i think if it was if saju Udin and steve udder both sent their cvs and they're exactly the same i reckon steve's going to get more calls but i honestly don't know whether i i don't think and maybe i'm trying to think like this but i don't think it happens that often where people conscious maybe they do consciously think but maybe not in such a deep manner where i'll go steve i know it's steve you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my cousin steve he, he's he's funny you know and that's what i'm gonna associate the name, name with don't know any Sadims. you know may, i've never met anybody like that he might not and straight away it's just different and it doesn't fit but i don't know would you do you think it's like do you think it's conscious
0: nah i don't think it's conscious i think I, if it was conscious they'd probably just have a, a, a actual racism issue whereas i feel yeah, like yeah it's probably <laughs> it's probably like a subconscious thing and in the back of their mind, there's something that tells them that, you know what? And it might be that thing that you said, familiarity, you know, like you see a name that's very familiar to you, a, a John or a Michael, sorry guys, if it's John or Michael and I've picked your names out, but, you know, those names that you probably can name two or three people that you know that are called that, and then that brings you familiarity, which automatically makes you feel safer. And yeah, you know, who knows, who knows, man, I, I, you know, I've never looked into the science of it, but for me, really at that beginning stage of my career, I felt like, um, you know, like I wasn't conscious of it then though, I must be clear. At that time I had no idea and it was only after a few years um, I was working and I was, you know, reading these studies and reports and I was thinking, man, like maybe, you know, there's some explanation to do with that and only when they actually see, oh, actually, so he's delivered X, Y, Z, I've checked his references and it all checks out. Oh, so maybe he is all right then. And then you start getting those chances. But before then, yeah, I can't really say... um, whether it impacted me or not, but it definitely I was a lot harder for me.
1: Most people. And I think for you, it'd be even harder than it would be for me because of your, your name is the first thing. And, and you're right. It's that familiarity. And, and I, and do you know what? There's a really, I, I, in, in, in a previous role I did, I used to manage a load of customers in Scotland right. and imagine David Grant. Yeah. Oh, and I don't guy. know how I sound, but like, I don't think I'm, people wouldn't necessarily think I have any mixed you know, I'm, I, they probably think it's just a white guy. You know, white guy from London. They all sound weird down there, or whatever. And and I and I swear to you, like on on more than one. There's one in particular in in one. I won't won't name the even the the, the establishment. But I remember going for this meeting. I remember the guy double taking. You know, double taking, going, "You're David." You know, like I didn't think you had, you know, you would, you would be like that. And I think like, and don't get me wrong. It doesn't matter because at this point, this person's already got a relationship with me and yeah. I've already proved, I, I've already proved my value. So they already yeah. go. So it's basically, you can almost see that brain going, wait a minute. He's not what I was expecting. Yeah, and I know, but don't yeah. worry. He's like, Hey, you already know him. He's already good. You've you're already comfortable with this person. Whereas if it was the first time I just met that person, then all of a sudden, these whatever those associations are, and, and unfortunately for for you know, if you're particularly if you're Muslim so um, if you're black and you know if you're from other you know certain minorities and demographics they're negative connotations and the thing for me going to scotland there's not a lot of black people up there there's not yeah, a lot man. of mixed and diversity although well, there's a froze you when the asians start speaking to you with a Scottish accent man i'll tell you that it's like <laughs> um, yeah, that happens a few times but other than that there's not a lot and and, and again these and, it, and I, I overly think about these things as well I analyze and i'm in there sometimes thinking I wonder if, like, you know, in some of these places are rural, and you're going, I wonder if you've ever met a black person before, (laughs) you know, honestly. Yeah, yeah, What is your, all all you know about black people is, one, you probably think that there is just one black culture, and you're probably not really ever thought about the fact that there's, you know, over 50 countries in Africa, and even within every country, like there isn't even in this country, different cultures within a very small area and different behaviours. Um, but everything they think, they don't just look at you like, oh, this is just another human being. Let me just chat to them. They're either going to be good they're going to be bad. You know, they'll be this or that. They, they I just feel like there's those negative things. And I think yeah. it's media that, that drives those. And unless you're in a, in an environment where you're lucky enough to grow up and meet people from different backgrounds and ethnicity, that's when you become knowledgeable when you start going wait a minute no do you know what there's 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 idiots that are white black brown whatever you know and there's yeah. nice people who are the same and the ratio is about the same as well
0: yeah yeah no it's it's true man i think um like for me i remember <clears throat> when i went to um cornwall for the first time and um i've never been to cornwall before i mean it's mad far <laughs> but we um <laughs> i went with my in-laws <laughs> And um, they always go every year and it's like their thing. So I went, like it was my first year of going. And um, I remember going into like the, I guess it's like the the village square or whatever it was where all the shops were and like, just looking around. And I was so aware.
1: Hand-coloured people. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, literally, where we're all buried. Um, (laughs) And I was looking around and I was so, so aware that I was the only brown person. And I remember just looking and thinking and I wasn't sure, but I was always thinking, do they look at me and say the same thing? Like, oh, he's the only brown person. I wonder what he's doing here. What is he doing here? You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it was just, um, it was Did nuts for me. A hundred percent, yeah, I'm a bit, and it was probably a bit yeah, longer no. than it was now as well. And they weren't thinking
1: good stuff. I can tell you now, I can wow. tell you now, but if they got to know you, then you, they'd be cool. Do you know what? Let me tell you another, another really good example of this as well, where I, 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 um, probably in a, in a you know a business environment, but a senior business environment, and, and I'm very proud of my sister. She's very smart. She's got a very good job, and um, she used to work for Bloomberg and went out to see Deutsche Bank
0: wow. um,
1: in Germany. So she just have to go to Germany every couple of weeks. And um, my sister's really strong. So like my mum is like militant, you know, like not just like like tough. She's like very strong-minded. You know, you can't you can't break her in that manner. And my sister's the same. And she went to Germany to look after Deutsche Bank. She'd be on the trading floors there to, and her jobs to try and help them all with their their, their you know units. And she's, you know, she was in sales, she's trying to get them to buy more. And I remember my sister being so upset, I remember her even crying. Yeah. And I don't you know, I could probably think, you know, post probably 14, my sister's hardly ever cried. I don't even remember another scenario of her crying. And this is her as a grown woman. And I was like, what on earth is going on? She was like, I just hate it. She goes, I go there. She goes, I sit on the floor. I can't get anybody's attention. Like, nothing's really happening. Like, I, they're just not like, they're not, they won't listen to me. You know, and I can't, Yeah, you know, it's just a waste of my time. I'm really not enjoying it. And my sister's good. Like I said, she's a very smart person. And there was a couple of times where people had problems and she was there. So she starts speaking to people and she starts to prove herself proving herself, proving herself. And all of a sudden they're going, wait a minute, this girl is really good. So mixed race, English woman going to Germany, who's relearned German just so that she can you know help them help this job. Wow. And um, after I think two months, Saj, like the head of the trading floor for Deutsche Bank would go, guys, everybody stop, Caroline's here. Um, she's, she's gonna take an hour of your time to talk about, you know, the updates or things that she thinks are gonna help you do your job better. And that, that transition from that, imi- that imi- and, and maybe that all militant like that, you know, where they're like, you know, you need to prove yourself, but there's definitely some some preconceptions there, you know, mm. and being a woman, you know, maybe not even being as fluent in English, in German, sorry, as what they would have been, um, being mixed races, all these things coming together and you're thinking, you know, like, that's that's that would have been hard, but to get to that end where all of a sudden you're coming in and they're like, let me make you a tea you know let's lay the red carpet out she's going to help us she's helping us you know be better then you know you've got that opportunity to prove yourself but unfortunately a lot of people don't get that chance Mm. to be proven wrong or to even you know get in the door yeah yeah, well from my sister's perspective and from people of of color or 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 of, of you demographics that maybe don't don't um come across well in the media shall we say um, for, for anybody like that then yeah it's hard to get into the door but anybody inside the door for them they have to have those experiences if you're yeah. if you are ignorant if you are, haven't had those exposures to different cultures and start going wait a I minute mean, do that but it is different but it's not bad it still gets the job done like, actually maybe there's things you can learn from it and, and there's things that you know not everything's perfect but there'll be some good some bad and um you know i think like i said morally people will start seeing that people's true colors and and we can all live happily together, Saj. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now that is it, man. And um, I think on that note, we we shall close because I think we had a really good chat, and I really want to say, first of all, thank you very much for your time. And um, I don't know how long we've gone on for—over an hour. Um, if people are still listening at this point, I want to say thanks for you for still listening. But um, I have had a really good chat. So, and uh, no, I thank too, you. Sir
1: thank you thanks very much like i said i feel honored to be um invited onto here and um yeah really i like i just i could feel like i could talk about this kind of stuff all the time i find it really really interesting and always with you so um, again thank you very much
0: and that's it for this episode of made in Mercers. i've been your host stay tuned for the next one peace